the great equalizer now is that anyone can do it. Anyone can tell their own story. The barrier is literally just, are you good enough? You're listening to the Content 10X podcast, where it's all about content repurposing. I'm Amy Woods, and I'm here to help you maximize your content and find smart ways to get your message in front of more of the right people, whilst also saving time. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10X podcast. This week on the podcast, we're talking all about personal branding and I have a treat in store because I have a wonderful guest. So my guest is Ash Jones. Ash is the founder of Great Influence. Now, Great Influence is the personal branding agency. Now, just to some background, Ash was in the founding team at social media company Social Chain prior to him branching out on his own and starting Great Influence. And he had various roles as the business grew and ultimately ended up running the personal branding for co-founder and at the time social chain CEO Stephen Bartlett and right now a great influence Ash is behind the personal branding of many of the UK's biggest and most influential CEOs and founders turning them into influential figures on social media so Ash welcome to the show hi good to be here it's so nice to chat to you and it was nice to meet you in person last week as well Ash so thanks for agreeing to come on to the show really appreciate it (laughs) my pleasure So you have a really, really interesting story. I want to dig into that first. So we have a global audience listening to the podcast. So many of our listeners are in the USA, in Canada, and of course, UK. So could you just tell us a little bit more about the social change story? Because I don't think everyone will be familiar with the social change story, but, you know, also your story alongside that, because it's really interesting how you were in the founding team and now it's turnover 200 million probably over a thousand employees I'm guessing and so I'd just love to dig into the social change story but specifically with with your role in that I think for anyone who's um I was going to say in agency world but also brand side I think it's a fascinating story to kind of look into if you've not read about or heard about social chain um when I was there when it started when was it October 2014, around that point, um, there's like five of us sat around a table with laptops working from somebody else's office. And then fast forward to now and there's like, yeah, 200 million euro revenues. I think there's about seven, 750 people in the social chain group. It's now like part of a group, went through a merger, went public, IPO'd um, in a real short space of time and also doing things that aren't like agencies typically don't go public um so yeah just kind of uh a fascinating story and the average age of the company when I was there in the early days like I was the oldest at 25 so every the average age was 21 so it was like a a really young group of um people who were just really well tuned into internet and social media culture at the time around like 2014-15 and were able to help brands take advantage of the power of social media which when you say those words now in 2021 is yeah there's there's a lot of social media agencies now and every single brand on the planet understands the importance of social media but at the time especially like in the early origins of social chain, like 2014, it just wasn't the case. And it was it was actually kind of what you're seeing with 
um, D2C now, where like D2C brands are at the forefront of something that those in retail are falling behind. And startups in 2014, 15 were the ones that were taking advantage of social media. And it was like the legacy brands were still to get there. Um, whereas now every single brand is there with social media. But that was the case in 2014, 15, when social chain started and social chain really kind of took advantage of that and was able to work with a lot of the biggest brands in the world in helping them figure out how to, how to leverage social media. And yeah, I was part of the founding team there. And then eventually my role, originally I started off within like marketing. So trying to figure out the B2B marketing piece for social chain as an agency. Um, and then I moved into helping the CEO, Stephen Bartlett, build his personal brand. Um, as that at the time, I think building a personal brand was the smarter way of marketing the agency from like when we were in that early stage of like zero to 25 employees and all resource was kind of focused on delivering great client work we didn't really have the patience time resource needed to be able to build a really good marketing team for social chain that came a bit later down the line so it's more efficient to actually use the people within the business that's typically how most small agencies get their work is like through the founder through their network or through word of mouth and that kind of thing so we just led into that and um it went incredibly well and kind of like social chain it just kind of had a rocket up it in terms of a personal brand build and steve kind of went from like I think he maybe had like 5k on Instagram. He didn't have a Facebook page. He didn't have a LinkedIn. He didn't have a YouTube. And now those channels are like, he's got like 1.2 million on Instagram. He's, he's got 50k on YouTube. His podcast is the number one business podcast in Europe. Um, I think he's got like 150, 200,000 on LinkedIn, a million on Facebook. Um, so yeah, it was like a, a really educational experience of building seeing the inside of of a business being built an agency but then my role within it was like how do you build a business influencer essentially on social media um and then in turn that's kind of what, what great influence spun out of is like a recognition that business owners founders ceos high net worth vcs investors are all now starting to understand that their social media channels, their presence online, their reputation, their public profile is a really important piece in them being able to drive opportunity for, for whatever they're doing, whether that's building a business or trying to find deal flow, if you're talking about investors and VCs and this kind of thing. Um, I think that's becoming like social media was to big brands for social chain in 2015. I think it's now becoming really apparent to the majority of business owners, founders, CEOs, VCs, investors about the importance of having influence online via their own social channels. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, corporate social media strategies would typically focus on corporate channels, wouldn't they? And that's the traditional route and people would ignore 
the voice of the leaders on social media, but that is really changing, you know, and as you said, you led the way in changing that social chain, bringing the voice of the CEO as well as the, the corporate channels, but, you know, more of a focus on that. Clearly, by setting up great influence, you've seen that this is changing, though, that social media strategies are now realising that the leaders need to, to have a voice. A question that I had for you, so you've got globally renowned CEOs like Elon Musk and Richard Branson that have got really, really strong personal brands and they were really early adopters. And then you've got the likes of Gary Vaynerchuk who flies the flag for entrepreneurs, you know, of all shapes and sizes, not necessarily corporate CEOs, but he's saying to create content and develop a brand even when you're just starting out. And then, you know, Stephen as well. And some people would say, well, it's all well and good, but they have the means, you know, they have a budget, you know, in the case of Gary and, yeah. and Stephen, like an entourage following them, helping to create content. So how does it look for people who don't necessarily have those means and the team? And what would you say to, to that? I think it's really easy to look at. Um, I know from experience looking at Steve Bartlett, for example, and thinking that there is a team around it now. There is a resource around it now. Um, looking at Gary Vaynerchuk and being like, you know, I think there's last I heard there was about 25 people in his team. But I think both of them, I don't know exactly for Gary, but I'm pretty sure this will have been the case and definitely was for Steve. It started just from like no resource. And then because it worked, it was then scalable. So um, when we started with Steve's doing that, it was a case of, we'd come into the office at midnight after everyone had left. So we weren't on like company time or anything like that. We came into the office at midnight. We decided to shoot a bunch of videos. We'd do that until four in the morning. And then we'd put those videos on Facebook and that was it. That we just repeated that process for about six months. Um, and then eventually those videos started getting traction and it became clear that this was a real good use of time within the business so um obviously social chain had investors at the time so we almost had to like convince them it was a good idea which we did away from social chain time if that makes sense by doing it in the early hours of the morning um and from there it worked and then the commercial uh benefit of it became really really clear and that's when we had a case to be like, right, okay, I'll do this full time. That will be my job. And then from there, somebody else came in and then somebody else came in and it, eventually there's like a small team around it. Um, but it came like any business, really, like most businesses, most, most people that are listening to this, you start with nothing and then it becomes profitable or commercially viable and then it snowballs from there and you get more resource and you get more time and energy and focus to be able to put into it. So I think there's probably a misconception in that I was actually talking about this yesterday to one of my team that people probably look at like a Stephen Bartlett, for example, and think, oh, you know, he's got a, a huge team around him and it's not possible to do everything that he's doing. Um, like his podcast, for example, is a real high production quality podcast. But it wasn't when he first started it. He started it four years ago. And he kind of like Harry Potter, like the boy under the stairs. 
he'd go under the stairs into this little wardrobe or something, this tiny little room in his, in his apartment where it was quiet. Um, and he used to say on the podcast, he had like a, I think it was like an 80 pound mic that would plug into his phone. Um, and he'd just sit there at like two in the morning in his, in his boxes speaking into the phone. And that was the podcast. But then people, he put that out and people liked it and it got more listeners and it became more viable. And then they started to take the production up. They took him out of the cupboard, put some pants on him. Um, <laughs> and it all scaled up from there. But you don't, you don't need like big resource. And um, I think that's the good thing about it. Previously, if you're talking about building a public profile or managing your reputation, before social media, there was gatekeepers to doing that. So you'd have to work with a PR team or a PR agency, or you'd have to get a book deal, or you'd have to be on TV, or you'd have to get on radio. The, every, every form of media to help you build your public profile and manage your reputation was owned by somebody else. And then social media comes along, and especially a platform like platforms like Twitter or LinkedIn, where Twitter, you've got like, the tech startup a VC community and LinkedIn, you've got like the marketing community. Um, and all of a sudden you, you don't need those gatekeepers anymore. That was the thing with social chain. The reason why we really started to lean into personal branding was that in the first year we tried all the conventional ways of getting social chains name out there and building the reputation and profile of social chain. And we went to PR, we went to events and none of them would have us. So they wanted to charge us to do it. And we just didn't, we didn't have like the money to be able to spend on PR. So we were like, why don't we just tell our own story? We've, you know, Steve has a social media account and he's going to be the person that's, spe that's speaking on stage or in the press. So why doesn't he just do that without those things? And I think that's like the... The great equalizer now is that anyone can do it anyone can tell their own story the barrier is literally just are you good enough yeah it, it's it's just such a good point that everybody just starts from somewhere doesn't it, it doesn't matter if you see people how far along they are now because everyone started from that zero point it's, you know content and obviously you know a big thing of what we're doing is is that is helping people build and and establish the personal brand and be like ever present on the different platforms and so i'm, I'm always like looking up any research and any you know anything that I can to improve what we do and I read um, a report by FTI Consulting and it said that over 90% of people believe that CEOs who actively participate in social media can build better connections with customers employees investors and other audiences so that's huge over 90% of people are saying that if they're actively participating then they're going to build these better connections so why do you think that people prefer to hear from the leader versus the company is it the more informal and personal nature of the post that people tend to prefer and and connect with and engage with um I think typically like historically a CEO is somebody that you don't know about you just know the company you don't know the person at the helm of it um they're quite guarded quite quiet Obviously, there's been a couple down the years who have broken the mold with that, but typically the majority of that, I don't know who is the CEO of Coca-Cola. I don't no. know who's the CEO of Pepsi. I don't, you know, I don't know who is the CEO of a lot of companies. Um, so it, when people are willing to show authenticity or just be more vocal and more, mm -hmm. um, more public, 
it kind of like surprises us in a sense. So we're more intrigued about it. And I think naturally uh, people that tend to be CEOs of companies tend to be like good leaders, like people follow their vision, their thoughts, their ideas, their words, like the people, their investors have bought into them, their team have bought into them. So they're generally people who attract. So there's something about them that attracts people to them. So when they post online, for example, quite a simple thing, they tend to have interesting things to say or interesting points of view. I think of the people that we work with now and the people like Steve, for example, at Social Chain, I wanted to be in every meeting listening to what he said because just everything that I've, whenever I heard him speak, I found it fascinating. That's why I was bought into Social Chain because of his vision and the way he was able to articulate his ideas and thoughts and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, th I think people are just naturally interested in it and it goes against the grain of what we're used to and it builds a lot of trust and authenticity. I think if right now I'm trying to get the Great Influence website built and trying to decide who's going to do that, there's a bunch of different people who could all do it and are, I'm in touch with and speaking to all of them. And there's two things that really push one of them forward. And it's like, first and foremost, the proof that they can do what I'm asking them to do, which is I go on their own website. And it's like, clearly they can do the job that I'm asking them to do. But then the second thing is that the founder who I'm talking to about the project is really active on social media. And I've been reading his posts for maybe the past past 18 months probably I've seen them popping up in my feed every now and then um and I'm not like a massive engager I don't engage a lot with things I don't comment on things but I see a lot of things um and I find his opinion interesting I've been able to before I even thought about becoming a customer so to speak I knew about the brand story because it was kind of told through what he was posting online and all those little touch points that maybe I might have seen like 10 posts from him over the last year but those 10 touch points without me even knowing it because I didn't know I was going to go on to potentially be a customer kind of led me to a point where after 10 touch points I have a conversation about the website I'm already like 80% warmed up to that deal because of the trust aspect and then I go on their website, look at the work that they do, and I'm like, I'm sold because I trust this person. I don't know why I trust him. I don't know whether he's a good person or not. I just see what he posts on social. And there's something really strange about how just through that very, very simple activity of posting on social media, if that content is good, people will just naturally trust you. It's a really strange, like, psychological thing that I found. Um, so, yeah, the, the, I think those are the reasons, really. Yeah, so it's so funny you should say that because in the, the report I just mentioned, the FTI consulting on CEOs, and they did a study on the Fortune 500 and every CEO of those companies, and they were looking at how, what percentage are active on social media and all of that. And they did it over about 18 months. And the other thing that, uh, that stuck out to me is they said that over 70% agree that social media engagement makes CEOs more effective leaders and more trustworthy. And um, so it's funny that you said that. It's, it's a trust thing, isn't it, coming from the CEOs versus the, the companies. Hey, just a little break from this podcast episode to ask you a question. 
Would you like one single place that you can go to that provides you with everything you need to be able to implement the best practices in content repurposing for your video content, your podcast episodes, and your social media content today? To help you get more value from the content that you create, get more time back, and help you reach more people than you ever thought possible. If so, then you are going to love the Content 10X Toolkit. The toolkit is full of video tutorials, templates, checklists, swipe files, step-by-step guides, and more that shows you how to repurpose your content in the best ways possible today. No more Googling, no more figuring it out yourself. We provide you with everything that you need to become a content repurposing pro. If this sounds like something that would interest you, then go check out the Content 10X Toolkit at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. Okay, I'm back to this week's episode. Now, you made, you made a good point though in terms of, you know, we don't know who the CEO is of lots of, of big brands and lots of businesses, but they're still really successful, those businesses. So what kind of businesses in particular do you see that having a, a really solid founder, CEO, um, who have really worked on their brand, is it particular types of businesses that you see work, it works really effectively? Uh, I think anyone that's in B2B. Yeah. Uh, most definitely. I think is the man or woman or young person on the street going to care who the CEO of Sony is when they're buying a PlayStation 5? Probably not. Um, but is somebody who is within a business and understands all the moving parts of a business and things like that going to need to believe that they can trust the company that they're working with to deliver something that is important to them. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think in, in B2B, it's definitely a more important thing, but then in, in B2C, it's, it's not uncommon to see nowadays with like, um, going all the way back to like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and then carrying it through with like Tim Cook. If Tim Cook wasn't, um, I think Tim Cook, despite probably not being as revered as Steve Jobs on a creative innovation front, he feels very trustworthy, like Apple's in safe hands. Mm. And I think that that transition out of Steve Jobs when he passed away into somebody else was like a really crucial moment for Apple. And Tim Cook being like the face of it and how he's handled that has been like a steadying mechanism for the brand. Yeah. Um, and, and now they're just going from strength to strength to strength. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And another one that jumped out to me then actually was Ben Francis and CEO of yeah. Gymshark. And it's really funny because I, I don't actually know how I came about following him on LinkedIn but I I think it was just the typical someone I know liked something that he posted so it appeared in my feed and then I liked what I saw and um you know that's B to C but funnily enough I think when it has had an effect on me because I have quite an affinity to to Gymshark now I like the brand (laughs) I like I like the guy I like what he's doing I like how he's he's sharing his story and things like that and I'd never would have really known much about it if it it wasn't for his personal brand um but so in terms of the the, we've talked about the kinds of businesses b2b in terms of the kind of person find this really interesting so it, you would think that it might be more 
extroverted people who do the best in terms of putting themselves out there and developing a personal brand. But actually, I don't think that's the case. Uh, Certainly, I've worked hard on my personal brand and I'm a very introverted person. But in your opinion, this is your business, you're working with different clients and I'm sure you see the whole spectrum. What kind of people does it work for? I think firstly, Ben Francis is an incredible example. Yeah. Um, I'd say right now what he's doing with his personal brand and how he's telling the story of Gymshark and giving people a behind the scenes look at a company of that size is nobody's doing anything like that. It's incredibly innovative. Um, And if I had to pick one example of somebody who within a large business that is nailing personal branding or even just storytelling through people within a business it's Ben Francis and he's somebody as well that um, recently you see that he's been speaking a lot more about how the challenge for him now is things like public speaking and he's typically I think he's typically an introvert or he seems it anyway Um, and you've kind of in his content you've gone on the journey of him initially not being comfortable with that but being very honest about the fact that he's not comfortable with doing those things and then understanding that they're a challenge that he would actually like to take on and now it's something that he's like really focused on doing and over the next couple of years now he's back in the CEO role I think we're going to see him do a lot more of it and um, you're going to see him doing it publicly and then on his YouTube channel and things like that he's going to be talking to his audience about going through that challenge of of not somebody who's not comfortable with those things but he wants to tackle it head on um so yeah i just i love 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 what he does with his content in how incredibly authentic it is i think you're going to see more of that now in that young people obviously jim shark has a lot of young people within it they're going to be unreal at doing social media content and storytelling via social media and you can really see that through ben's content mm. um and you're gonna you're gonna see that more and more now i think of the clients that we work with and it's the young ones who get social media that are like 10 steps ahead in terms of thinking when it comes to personal brand so it's a competitive advantage right now for like young founders but in 10 years, all the, you know, founders that are going to be 35, 40, 45 are going to inherently understand social media and how to leverage it and how to storytell. And I think that's when you're really going to see like an explosion of businesses where the CEO is like a leading voice and really, really understands how to do personal brands, not just tick a box with it. Um so yeah, I kind of veered off the point of the question there, but back to the like introvert thing and extrovert thing. I think it when I set up Great Influence, actually, a lot of people that I had conversations with were like, I'm not Steve Bartlett, so how do I do it? And essentially what they were saying was Steve Bartlett seems like such an extrovert in that he can get on stage and articulate himself to the degree he does and he can do a podcast and he can literally film himself for a vlog every day and be really comfortable with that and I can't. That's what they were saying. Um, So if that's the case, I can't do all the things that he does. So how can I still build a personal brand? And we've had a couple of clients where that's been the case, where they've started off 
and it's almost like dip your toes in the water and what you're comfortable with. So a lot of them aren't comfortable on video, so they don't do video at first. And then maybe a year in, they start getting comfortable um, because they're sharing their thoughts and opinions and ideas every day. And if it's going well, they're getting validated off the back of that. If that content is doing well, they're getting good engagement. They're essentially being validated of their thoughts, opinions, and ideas and story by the audience, which gives them like a self-confidence over time. And that self-confidence builds. And we've seen it with clients where um, I have one in particular who've been working with for almost three years now. And when I first met him, he was like, I'm not going to do any videos. I'm not going to take any photos. And I don't want any of this to be about me. I just want it to be about the business. Um, and now three years later, he's like actively happy to do video, happy to take photos. And he, it's all him. It's his voice. He's talking about the things that he cares about. He's of course telling the story of the business still, but it's way more about like what he thinks. So I think it's a journey that people go on and you start small with these things. I think even like I'm a good example. Somebody wants to describe me as like the most introverted person in a room. And I'm quite comfortable now doing video stuff and I'm going to start a podcast soon and that's going to be filmed and it will be on YouTube and Spotify and Apple podcasts. And I wouldn't have done that like two, two and a half years ago, but through finding what was comfortable for me at the time, which was just doing, I just did text posts on LinkedIn essentially um, on my own LinkedIn. And I did that for like six to 12 months. And then I started to use my, like personal Instagram doing stories a little more um and I just found that my own confidence built and again it was that like I put my thoughts and opinions out they'd get validated back to me it gave me the self-confidence that people do actually care what I've got to say in a sense um so yeah it's, it's I think with personal branding the most underestimated thing is it's actually an emotional journey yeah more than like a tactical one or a strategy-led one a lot of the time it is an emotional journey for people and even like take Steve Butler, he's just just been on, he's the new dragon on Dragon's Den on BBC yeah. One. And there's going to be like 6 million people watching every, every episode. I was speaking to him about that. And he was like, you know, first day on set, that's not comfortable. That's not, that's intimidating. There's a whole like production team in front of you. You know what you're about to do is going to be shown to 6 million people on the country's biggest channel. That's an emotional challenge to have to adapt and be able to, um, because he's in that position because he's 110% himself and he's 110% himself because he's comfortable in any environment. So if he then goes on Dragon's Den and he freezes, that's the challenge that he's got. He had to overcome that. So it's like everyone that you see on that personal branding journey from the person who's not posted on social media ever, who was trying to take that first step of just figuring out what to say to the Gary Vaynerchuk on stage in front of 50,000 people to the Stephen Bartlett on BBC One in front of 6 million people. They're all at every step of the way having to adapt to some kind of emotional challenge that they haven't done before. And that's just what comes with personal branding. You're essentially putting yourself out to the world, like a, a version of yourself. Obviously you have like your behind the scenes, private life and, and things like that. But there's a version of yourself that you're going, right, this is what I want people to see. And I'm going to put myself out there. And my goal is going to be getting more and more people to hear what I'm saying and build my profile and reputation. And 
there's a term for it called like um, the front stage. And there was like a, it's like a psychologist that uh, it's a theory of theirs of how um, people that put themselves in those situations. So like athletes, musicians, anyone who would put that out and that's called being at the front stage. And it's not a comfortable place to be. It's a place of constant growth mindset and adaptation um so yeah we, people might think that personal branding is just like a um you start a podcast or you post on linkedin or something like that but there's a real like emotional um aspect of it that you have to not only overcome but consistently battle depending on where you are on that like introvert extrovert, extrovert scale and if you're at the more introverted end it's going to be something that you consistently have to battle a mm. lot whenever you're doing this thing if you're more extroverted then it's easier to overcome those challenges but I think those challenges still exist wherever you're sat on that scale yeah I completely agree with you and I'm just as you're talking about this I'm just thinking about my personal brand journey and how it's just been one step at a time I guess like I you know launched the podcast and we started creating social content and, you know, over time started speaking on video, you know, just doing stories and things like that. But it was all very uncomfortable at first and cringeworthy, I suppose, at first. But, um, you know, it's just the things that I felt I should probably do. And, you know, and, and then it kind of had a, has a snowball effect, really, because when you have a podcast, you start getting invited on other people's. And before you know it, you're invited on people's YouTube shows. And the first time I ever spoke at any event, I didn't hunt it down. I got invited to speak at the event and it just felt like I couldn't say no. It just felt like I kind of compared it to if I was in a job um, in my, back in my corporate days and I was asked to do something like go and speak at an event, I wouldn't have a choice over the matter. I, I was being asked to go and speak at an event. So I just saw it as my job to say yes and I'll figure it out. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, before I know, knew it, I became a speaker and I started speaking at more events and it just like the more you put yourself out there I guess like the more opportunities present themselves don't they and then the 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 brand grows and you have to decide what to say yes to and what to say no to and you don't have to say yes to everything but you just have you have to be kind of brave sometimes don't you and when you were saying it's probably easier for extroverts than introverts I'm on that introvert side but I still felt it was my job really to say yes say yes to all of these things and (laughs) and figure it out so (laughs) I think it's that for me, that thing that kicks in that holds you back from doing it or the the anxiety, the worry, the overthinking of what you've just said and how people will take it and things like that, that will hold like 99% of people back. Yeah. So if you're able to be in the 1% that is able to overcome that feeling, and for me, that feeling never disappears. It happens with every single social media post I do every single podcast I do every single anything that I do that is putting myself at the front stage so to speak Mm. um but I know if I'm able to overcome the not wanting to do it or the anxiety that holds me back or anything like that I'm then in the one percent of people who overcome it which is then it becomes like an arbitrage opportunity because 99 percent of people won't get that far um And then the second thing on that point, I was going to say there was another point. Oh, in the going back to the point about like resource. So I didn't have any resource in like building my own personal brand, so to speak. I literally just had a LinkedIn account. Um, 
and I posted on LinkedIn, didn't do any video or anything like that because I wasn't too comfortable with it. So I just posted on LinkedIn. And then now um, I wanted to start a podcast and then I went out and got like, uh, talked to some agencies about doing it and it, the fit just wasn't right and the cost was just way too expensive. Um, and then somebody asked to like intern for us and was like, I said about the podcast, they were like, I'll film it. I'll do it all. Like I'll do the podcast for you as, as an internship um, over the summer. And so now it's like, that's a resource, which I didn't have before in terms of building a personal brand. So now it's like, it's not just me now, there'll be somebody else helping me do it. And then if that podcast goes really well, then maybe there'll be, you know, things compound and all of a sudden you, you've got resource to help you do it. Um, because this person that's helping me believes that it's going to present them with a great opportunity if they help doing it. For you, when you work with your clients, is there is LinkedIn the main platform that you focus on, um, or do you focus on the other platforms as well? Uh, no, any social platform. It's not so much. Um, the focus really isn't like the social media platform or the engagement or the numbers or anything like that it comes down to figuring out like I say that aspect of um that theory of the front stage like defining what part of yourself is important to put out to an audience is the most important part of it we spend a lot of time ongoing with clients consistently trying to narrow into what they can own, like their positioning, like who can they come across as, who can they stand out as memorable as, um, as the competition and the amount of people that are trying to build a personal brand is so heavy. Like every, everyone's trying to do it now. So the way that it's done well is by being like really, really authentically you and carving out uh, a niche and a positioning in people's minds and a perception that is just unique to that person um, and really clear. And that's the thing that we really focus on. The social media platforms and the engagement and the content and everything else comes as a result of us figuring out that foundational piece. Yeah. And that's the important thing with it. I think with personal branding right now, there's like a thing where if you look on Twitter, there's a certain type of content that you can do to build engagement and on LinkedIn, there's a certain type of content you can do to build engagement. But if you're just doing that to build engagement, then it could be anyone. It could be from anyone's profile. The profile doesn't matter. It's the type of content. So you're not actually building a personal brand. You're not actually building something that people offline mm -hmm. will recognize you and, and have a perception of who you are and what you care about. Um, so it's way less for us about like the, obviously the, once we've decided all that and really figured it out, then it's like, where does this best live? And mm. but knowing what we know about the social platforms, what's the right approach for this person? And yeah, it's the thing that I, I'll never, never say that the social media side is the focus of it, because I think fundamentally you can get lost in like the numbers and um, trying to engineer getting like millions of views for people like some of our clients get millions and millions of views every month and the thing that we always have to do 
is always making sure that those millions of views are the right millions of views mm. because they could very, very easily be the wrong, useless millions of views. You can post a picture of a cat on LinkedIn and get 500,000 views on an off, on, you know, one like on, on an off chance kind of thing, but those 500,000 views are useless. So, yeah, it's more about trying to understand who that person is that we're working with and ensuring that everything that they do online reflects that persona. Yeah. So do you find sometimes that clients are a little bit scared of putting themselves forward and have like a fear and maybe hold hold themselves back a bit when you are trying to dig deep and work out what angle to go out with them and their brand? Uh, yeah, definitely, which can be like several reasons for that. They're just not, um, they're at the start of the process and they'll get there further down the line. It's a confidence thing or it's a stakeholder thing. They're concerned internally or they're concerned externally about the perception of what they might be saying. Um, I think there's a number of different reasons and the most important thing is that they're comfortable with what they're doing and we try to act as like um first and foremost the word no is the most important because the majority of the time the people that we work with in the roles that they're in they're surrounded by a lot of people who might just say that's a great idea Whereas it's our job to understand them first and foremost, then on the audiences as well, and understand the sweet spot of what's right for them to say and what's not right for them to say, and be really firm in making that recommendation. Um, And then just being like, I feel like we're a bit of a therapist or coach for them where we create a good environment to help them be able to be comfortable in expressing their thoughts ideas and opinions and honest truths and things like that and then we do that in like a working with great influences like a safe space and then afterwards we decide what goes out to the world and what doesn't um so yeah it's, it's a bit of a, a bit of a, a process so to yeah speak. people you know with kind of whole cancel culture and things like that at the moment as well are some people worried that if they know take it the wrong way or go too far down a certain route that they could get cancelled and you know again just kind of worry a little bit about how much of themselves they put out there just just because of that side of things yeah again it's it's like we have to we provide like the devil on the shoulder of being like is it okay for you to say this there's been instances before where um I don't know, they've been talking uh, like CEOs or founders or leaders within businesses that are talking about something that has happened within like workplace culture. And they're like, oh, I want to talk about this. And our first line of thinking is like, is there any way that somebody who maybe like used to work for you or works for you now could come in the comments and like, essentially out you for being the opposite of what you're talking about kind of thing if that makes sense um so it's like how i'd imagine prs kind of work as well is like ensuring reputation management and ensuring that um everything that they say is not gonna come back to 
haunt them, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, you've got to be careful. Um, but before we, we um, finish up, Ash, I just wanted to ask you, so you already mentioned this when you said that when you started the business, you, it was just you, your LinkedIn account, it was time to work on your personal brand. And um, mm. you've done such a phenomenal job working on personal brands of other people, I guess, you know, then you, the table turns and it's right, let's work on me. You said that you are launching, you're working on the podcast, going to be launching that. Tell us a little bit yeah. more about that. So what's the um, what's the podcast going to be about and when are you launching that? Uh, I'm not sure when I'm launching it. It's going to be called The Front Stage. Brilliant. Which is based on <laughs> like that theory. And essentially, it's going to be a conversation with people that I think have done an unbelievable job of building a personal brand that you'd be fascinated about hearing their thoughts on it. Um, And a lot of the truth of building a personal brand and the opportunity of building a personal brand is probably the most important thing uh, that I'll be trying to get across within it. Um, Essentially being like a a hack of you know if, if sitting down with Stephen Bartlett and getting an hour and a half of his time on personal branding I've done that before and it's a fascinating fascinating listen from somebody who's been in the trenches of it and has seen it go to such heights um, and the dangers and pitfalls and the things that you need to avoid and the things that you really need to lean into and what really matters when it comes to building personal brand because I think personal brand is one of those things that people often attracted to the wrong thing they're attracted to the shiny things um and just trying to ground people in the right foundational approaches and things like that that's that's the thinking behind it at the minute so hopefully um i'll get it started in the next couple of months maybe like q4 it'll launch i hope yeah these things often take longer than we think don't they but um but yeah no it sounds awesome I mean it sounds great it's been fantastic chatting to you today and just finding out more about your story and about you know your thoughts on personal branding and you've made some excellent points I'm sure everybody listening has been getting lots of great takeaways from this um so final question for you is um where can people go to connect with you where would you like to connect or um any kind of call to action you'd like to put to the audience um find me on LinkedIn. it's probably the place that yeah. i'm most active um and i'm always happy to to help give advice to people i'm always willing to chat on these things so if anyone listens and wants to explore doing their own thing and wants a bit of advice drop me a dm yeah brilliant well i'm sure it'll be easy enough to find you ash jones on linkedin and of course we'll put the links to everything in the show notes as well so everybody will get that um and obviously to great influence as well um so ash thank you so much for coming on it's been a really great conversation so yeah thank you and um good luck with the podcast (laughs) thank you Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the show, then please subscribe on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. And you can also subscribe to the weekly content 10X newsletter to get the episode delivered to your inbox along with loads more tips and advice on repurposing, exclusive content news, offers and more. Head to content10x.com forward slash newsletter to become a content 10X insider. I promise you won't regret it. 
And if you want help with your repurposing, then check out our fully end-to-end -end content repurposing service here at Content 10X. I promise you're in good hands with us if you want to maximize your content, but leave the hard work to experts so that you can focus on your business. So just head to content10x.com to find out about everything that we could do to support you. And if you prefer a more DIY approach or you'd like to empower your team or just learn more about repurposing, then do get a copy of my book, Content 10X on Amazon and check out the Content 10X toolkit. That's at content10x.com forward slash toolkit. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one.